And you are invited to join us during this hour of the program as well. This is the uh, part of the program we call Left, Right, and Center. I'm joined this morning by Jeff Schlemmer, who's uh, slightly to the left of center, shall we say, politically, and Robert Metz, who is slightly to the right. Um, and uh, these uh, two fellows join us every Wednesday at this time to take a look at some of the issues out there. Not so much to argue with each other, and I think that's a very positive thing, because we don't argue a lot, but to try to make sure that, uh, that you, our listeners, uh, have some insights, shall we say, into some of the varying uh, attitudes and approaches to the big issues of the day. Gentlemen, uh, you have indicated to me this morning that you might want to take a look at the issue of the teacher's strike with reference to the legislation. Uh, we've been talking about that earlier today, had a lot of people calling, although most of them didn't really deal with back-to-work legislation. They were talking more about the strike in general. But uh, we are told the province is moving to legislate the teachers back to work. Um, there are some people who feel that's entirely appropriate, that the province should do whatever it can to get the teachers back in the classroom. There are other people, and quite frankly, I'm one of them, who believe that the teachers have made their case very strongly, that they are prepared to defy the law. They think it's that important, and, and uh, I think they should be left, I think the strike should be left to work itself out in whatever way it will. That's my opinion. Let me ask you, Bob Metz, what your opinion is. Well, emotionally, I tend to agree with you, Jim. I, uh, I, would, I really don't care how long the strike takes because uh, I, I, I personally don't even support the whole concept of a state monopoly in education. But as to the government having to legislate the, uh, the teachers back, yes, they have to go through that exercise in order to establish their authority for the next step. And uh, now, with the legislation, they can operate under a more clear authority if they have to fire teachers, lay them off, change the system, whatever it takes to get the thing back and running. But do I really care with the system we've got now? No. It's, this is not a system I think is worth defending. Jeff Schlemmer, uh, should the government, is the government doing the right thing to uh, try to get legislation? I say try because it's not a foregone conclusion, I understand to get legislation to put them back to work? Well, uh, it'll be, uh, they have a first uh, step that they have to go through for, first, and that is trying to get an injunction to, uh, to say that they're already breaking the law and they have to go back to work. Although it's interesting and something that I haven't heard widely, particularly from the teachers, but I was listening to a labor lawyer a couple of days ago who said that in his view, there isn't a law being broken right now. Uh, and as a result of that, that's why you haven't seen union leaders already arrested and, uh, and hauled away. That, uh, that's why they have to go to court to get a ruling on whether the law is being broken. Only if the c court says the law is not being broken, that's the only scenario where uh, back-to-work legislation would come. The difficulty around back-to-work legislation, and, and by way of background, I should just say that one thing about this fight is that I think it's a very emotional one. It's one that's near and dear to everybody. It's also one where I think both sides are genuinely, sincerely uh, of the belief that uh, that they're acting in the best interest of the children. Yeah, yeah I think so too, yeah. And uh, it's just a question of having a different way of looking at how to go about that. Um, so I guess what it comes back to at this point is a question of if the court says this is not an illegal strike, should the government then pass a law making it ille an illegal strike? Normally we've only seen that around essential services. There now, are can I interrupt you for a second? Because I'm confused now. You're s my understanding was, and, and the teachers' union seem to agree with this, that they are in fact in an illegal strike right now. You're yeah. saying that they may not be in an illegal strike. Yeah, and that, it's sort of interesting that uh, what happens with strikes, normally strikes are associated with, uh, with um, collective bargaining process, and the Ontario Labor Relations Board has r laws dealing with strikes, and what they say is that basically you can't have a strike in the middle of your collective agreement. However, it doesn't say you can't have a political protest, and what's interesting in this case, of course, is that uh, the government are the folks who are 
doing everything in this case, and yet the boards of education are the employer. Under labor law, normally what would happen is that if there's an illegal strike, the employer would go to the Labor Relations Board, who would then order the uh, union back to work, uh, failing which they start arresting uh, union leaders. That hasn't happened in this case, even though a number of boards support the uh, government. There are a number that don't. But the ones who support the government, I would have thought, would be at the Labor Relations Board today saying, please order these guys back to work. It hasn't happened, and I think the reason is because there is uncertainty about whether this is a strike in relation to a collective agreement or whether it's a political protest in relation to legislation. The, the strange linkage of this all, of course, is that the legislation dramatically affects the collective bargaining by taking away a number of things that the uh, unions have negotiated in their collective agreement. And by passing legislation uh, before the agreements come up to say, next time we negotiate, these things are off the table. We can't even talk about it. Uh, it puts the union in an impossible bind, whereas normally if, uh, if the management wants to say, we're going to take away the following things, you'd say, well, we'll see about that in the next, next collective bargaining round. But by passing legislation now, before that all comes up, to say, that's off the table, uh, it, it takes away that whole issue in a theoretical standpoint from the uh, labor process. Doesn't, have that, doesn't the employer, though, does not the employer, whether it's the government or anyone else, does the, not the employer have the right, again, under collective bargaining, uh, to say, well, that was the deal we had the last time, and it included this and this and this and this, but that was that last time, and this is this time, and I'm telling you this time, I'm not going to give you this and this and this. Don't they have the right to say that? And that's why we have the right to strike. Exactly, yeah. The, uh, the employer has the right to say there's going to be a new deal, the employees have the right to say in collective bargaining, we don't like it, we're going to go on strike, we'll withdraw our labor. Uh, the government is attempting to short-circuit that process in this case by saying, school boards, next time you go into negotiation as employers, uh, you don't have to worry about negotiating the following things because we've already taken them away from the, uh, from the employees. It's very unusual. It'll be interesting to see uh, how this uh, plays out in years to come. I think the whole, the whole fuzziness about whether a law has been broken or not is because we're, we're focused on the law. I don't think the issue is the law. I think an agreement has been broken an agreement that the unions voluntarily went into and entered into and said that they would abide by these terms. And now they're telling us what their words are worth. Nothing. Not worth the paper it's even printed on, signed, sealed, and delivered. And if we're going to talk about whether it's an issue of a, a strike or a political protest, I can't think of a thing that you could condemn the unions more strongly with. If that's what you're saying, then you're saying that unions are lobby groups. But I can't and think that we're forcing people to, to, to pay union dues to a group that lobbies political issues. What we're saying is that uh, the, the unions are not trying to change their negotiating position. They're not trying to come back and say, we negotiated a contract, but now we want more. They're not saying we want a raise or anything like that. They're saying, we'd like both the other side, the employer, to honor the existing agreements. Uh, it's about the government who are changing the position. The unions just want to continue as they negotiated in the last contract. Well, the government is, you know, the government's technically the employer. Through the through the provincial government and then through our school boards and this whole this whole arrangement is completely wrong. We've got two groups: the government on one side and the unions on the other, fighting to control an education monopoly that shouldn't exist in the first place. The only way parents and teachers and students and taxpayers are going to get control of their system is to privatize the whole system, and to have people be able to direct their education taxes to the school. Of but their that's choice. one of the things that the, the teachers that have phoned this program. Numerous teachers have said that that is the secret agenda of the government, and it's one of which they are very afraid. Why would they be afraid of it? You have to ask yourself. Well, that I'm question. afraid of it. I'll tell you why I have a like. Well, <laughs> you, you see, this 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 subject came up on an earlier uh, episode of Left Right Center. We were talking about the teachers, and I, I mentioned, and pe people immediately will say, "Well, I'm teacher bashing when I say that teachers, as a collective group, are overpaid." And I feel fairly confident in saying that because 
what I use as my evidence is the fact that they have to rely on this monopoly to maintain that level of, of wage. They're not on a free market. They don't even have a way of telling you what they are worth. They have nothing to compare themselves to. Well, actually, to. they do. They um, have teachers in the private sector, and generally speaking, te uh, I'm not talking about expensive private schools, but alternative schools, religious schools, and so on. Teachers in those schools generally learn signi or earn significantly less than teachers in the public system. So I would suggest to you perhaps there is a way to, to judge their value in the free market. Well, yes, in, in, in to the extent that some private schools exist, and those exist, again, with a tremendous handicap placed upon them. The parents who send their kids to those schools are still sending their tax dollars, their education tax dollars, to the school not of their choice. But again, we do have a system where if you're wealthy and you want to have a private school, you can do that. It's not a monopoly. Or if you're not wealthy and you don't want your kids in the regular system. Well, that, that comes back to, our, um, to, again, the system we have, the government we have. That could change if enough people wanted to. The, the, the difficulty, and when I said that I have a problem with it, is the difficulty is, historically, if you don't have a system that everybody contributes to, then the system ends up being the poor child. And if you are a poor person and want to send your kid to a private school, if we had a system where it was private enterprise-driven, uh, we've seen around daycare, for instance, that... Uh, it, it tends it ends up being a poor child that's why we have or have had universal universality in health care programs this is uh, talk of the town left right and center with jeff schlemmer and robert metz we continue our program and we're open for your calls at 643-1290 this is talk of the town left right and center a regular wednesday feature from 11 to 12 robert metz and jeff schlemmer my guests in the studio and we're going to the phones now phones are open incidentally 643-1290 neil's with us good morning neil hi how are you fine thank you that's good Actually, I have a, I've been listening to your show, I mean, all morning here, and I used to do that before, too, until I moved, went back to India. Mm -hmm. And actually, I just came back last week. And when I came back, I found out that my, my sister, actually, she's a high school student here in London. Yes. And, you know, another teacher on strike. And what, what amazes me is, like, the teachers here in Canada, they're complaining, saying they have so many students in their classrooms. I mean, the average, average classroom in, Canada, in Canadian schools here has about maybe between 30 to 40 students, if that. Not even that high. Not, not even that high. And that is nothing. Because I, I went and saw some of my cousins there. I had to go pick up them from school there. Yeah. And there's about 75 to 80 kids in one classroom. But I, I, I want to make this point again, and I've made it a number of times in defense of the teachers mm -hmm. here in Canada. The difference between, say, 20, 30 years ago in this country where there were large classes, yeah. and the difference in, in many overseas countries with large classes, is that in our past here and in their present there, teachers had and have a lot more authority in the classroom than they have today. When I was a kid, a teacher told you what to do, and you did it, or you exactly. were in serious trouble. Today, if the kid doesn't like it, he tells the teacher, to, you know what, and exactly. nothing happens to the child. So I, I think in fairness to the teachers, I, I, we've got to keep that in focus, that 30 or 35 kids in a classroom today is not the same as 30 or 35 kids in a classroom 20 years ago. Well, I sure. Think, I think there's more to it than that, too. I think that the teachers today are being given a type of curriculum um, that's difficult to teach in terms of mass mass groups. You have to teach it almost individually, and I'm referring to particularly what has been loosely called the whole language philosophy. But I mean, that is, is that is a, what they that is what they're trained for. I mean, that yes. is what they that is you their should, job. Should bear in mind that nobody here in both sides is suggesting they should have larger classes. The government will swear up and down that they're all about smaller classes too. Everybody sure, exactly. says it's a better that, idea. That, that's no problem. What I'm saying is, I mean, I I mean, I knew I needed to complain about that. Another thing is. The teachers here, now that they're on strike, what it, only people that are losing right now are the students. 
Well, teachers aren't getting paid for one thing. Exactly. I mean, but that is a choice they've made. No one has forced them to make that choice. Yeah, no, but if you ask if they're losing, they're losing a lot of pay. That I mean, that but that is the choice they're making. The no, students, I understand. The students don't want to be don't want to be out of the class. They yeah. want to be in class. From well, the teacher's point of view, they're gaining. They're, my children aren't you know, that unhappy about being out, but that's another story. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I have a little sister, and she's just in OAC right now, so we had to hire a tutor because we don't know how long it's going to go on for. If, mm -hmm. if the strike goes on for two weeks, three weeks. I mean, well, she's going to be out of the rhythm of, well, you know, studying. Neil, can we come back to our original question in this part of the program? Mm -hmm. Do you think they should be legislated back to work? They should be. They should be. I think so. All right. Thank you for your call, Okay, sir. thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 643-1290. It's left, right, and center here on Talk of the Town, and we've got John with us. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning, sir. I will try to avoid of confusing the essential with the secondary. Okay. With, resp with respect to the legality of something. Okay. Now, given that the teachers have the right to strike, which they are now exercising. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into the value of it. Is it not contractual law which they are in remiss of? Yes. Yes, that's what I was mentioning earlier. Now, with respect to the law itself, it reminds me of the three-cornered hat, if you get my meaning. And, and that's, that's why we have these dignitaries in the Houses of Parliament and in various high functions wearing three-cornered hats. And what's the significance of the hat, John? Well, it has three points to it, eh? Left, right, and center. <laughs> Maybe we should adopt but, that as our show motto here, or our but show... Put, uh, but putting that aside, icon. putting that aside, I once said to Bill Brady when this discussion came up, way back when the teachers first got the right to stray, and I said it to a friend of mine, Watch out now, because it is human nature to get as much as they can while they can. And we discussed with regard to the legalities of things mm -hmm. and legislation. Mm -hmm. And I wrote him a, a letter where I put some lines on it which I think are applicable, just as applicable today as what they should have been then, okay. which went, uh, it's, it's in my mind, wait a minute, let me go. Any law or legislation which is so written as not to be clearly understood by the common people must by its very exercise be disadvantageous to those who seek its protection. Therefore, let the law be common made by common choice. Then will it have weight and truth. All right. Fair enough, John. I thank you for your comment today. 643-1290, and we have Tom with us. Good morning, Tom. Morning. How are you guys? Fine, thank Good. you. Good. I have a question. What's the point in legislating them back to work? We've already seen that they don't respect the law. The teachers don't respect the law. Why, why legislate them back to work? Well, I'll, I'll, another law I'll, ask, I'll ask for a comment from both of our commentators here. Jeff, do you want to go first? Well, again, as I said, the, the reason they may have to legislate them back is that it's not clear that they're breaking any law right now. That's why the government is going to court to try to get an injunction. I beg your pardon? It's, and it it's comes pretty clear that they're breaking a contract. Isn't that not breaking the law? No, contracts are not part of the law. Contracts are private um, private agreements between people. For instance, you look at what uh, Diane Haskett is doing right now. She's choosing not to go to work for three weeks. She's not breaking any law. She's just choosing not to go to work. The teachers are doing the same thing. But there may be a breach of the Labor Relations Act, and that's what the government... Which would be a law. That's what the government are hoping to prove, but there may not be. We don't know yet. 
Uh, it'll come down to whether this is a strike in relation to collective bargaining or whether this is a political protest. And uh, law sort of drives you to these arcane, picayune distinctions, but that's the important one. And if the government loses the injunction, that'll mean that no law is being broken. That's the only, okay. that's the only time they'll have to go to, legis to legislation. Okay, we've already shown that they, that they have no respect for authority because they're, they're breaking an agreement. So well, why, would they, why would they not break the next agreement? I guess the, the difficulty, again, is that nobody has suggested that Diane Haskett doesn't have respect for authority. I think that they certainly respect authority, but the question well, the is, are they breaking a law? If they were breaking a law today, then you could start arresting union leaders and putting them in jail. And I, and I would suggest that if there's an injunction against them next week, then they should go back to work. No question about that, because then clearly they are breaking a law and defying the authority of, the, uh, of our democratic well, system. That, again, is the purpose of having to go through the legislation to make it clear that you're in violation of something. I think that even any private employer who found his employees in that situation, when he turns to the government, the government would have to take some kind of action. Just like a landlord evicting a tenant when they haven't paid rent or something. You know, mm -hmm. you have to go through that one legal step in order to make it clear uh, to the public, to the community, that you're not acting arbitrarily and that you're not acting without notice and that you're not acting with all those things that we usually assume are legal rights in a court of law. So I think it's a careful step that has to be taken. Uh, I, I marvel at the Harris government's uh, walking through this issue, quite frankly. I think the unions are giving them an issue on a silver platter and, and are doing the Harris government more good in terms of their popularity than anything I can think of anyone doing. That's, that, I think that was one thing that comes back to. This is just another forum for for all of us who are on one side uh, to disagree with all of us on another side. And if you liked Mike Harris going into this, you'll like him more coming out of it. If you didn't like him going into it, you'll well, like him less than, well, than coming got, out of it. I, I bet you. News for you. As far as education goes, I'm not too happy with Mike Harris. He's taken more control of education and a centralized bureaucracy. Uh, there's no indication yet to the public of where he wants to go with it. I mean, this is one of the problems that people are having in, in, in the changes today. They don't know where it's heading. And I wish they could be forthright and honest. Are we going to continue with a massive state monopoly that, that's unaffordable, that's producing poor results? But you know we are, uh, Bob. You know, you know the, the answer to that is yes, because there's no public will for an alternative. Well, this is the whole issue. The public will, will, will manifest itself when the system gets so bad that people are just fully disgusted with it, which is what's happening now. Think of what happens on this show whenever you get on the, um, who's the guest? Sheila Morrison. Mm -hmm. the, the lines are blazing. I mean, one mm. morning you guys even had to cancel trivia yeah. to have <laughs> Sheila Morrison on, and she just kept those lines blazing for two hours, and parent after parent after parent after parent calling in and talking about how their kids can't read, their kids can't write, and Sheila just walking through the arguments with them. And, and I, I, I haven't heard a defense from the other side. Uh, parents have to have some choice back in, 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 their, in the classroom. We've got to have a system. There's nothing to say that choice means un unaffordability. And anyone who tells you different is just trying to protect their own interests. That's all I can say. Maybe, uh, maybe that's where the government should be going, is, to, is uh, looking at ways of increasing uh, uh, the ability to set up private schools. But the, Absolutely. Teachers, but the teachers have come out strongly in four square against that. They want no part of that at all. Tom, thank you for your call today. This is Talk of the Town. Left, right, and center's coming right back. This is left, right, and center on Talk of the Town. Jeff Schlemmer on the left side of the political spectrum. Robert Metz on the right. And we're here discussing this morning whether the government should legislate the teachers back to work. From a philosophical point of view, what are the pros and cons? What are the yeses and nos? We invite your calls and comments, too. And we have Katie with us on the line. Good morning, Katie. Hi. Hi. Um, I was just calling to um, ask if the people who are ca calling in have read the, the bill. Mm. Well, that's kind of off the topic of what we're talking about to right now. Have you read the bill? No, and I want to. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
because like I, I'm a high school student, I plan to graduate. Yeah. And because the teachers went on strike, which I think is um, not a good good example. Yes. But I might not be able to graduate because I, I might lose my, my my credit and have to do the whole year over yep. again. Yeah, you might. Yeah, and and it will set back a whole bunch of other kids That's too. That's right. Yeah. So and I was just like, if the students read the bill, that like I don't even know if if if, it, if they should be go on strike or not. Mm-hmm. Like I like I like because I was I'm, I'm watching commercials and Harris says like um, they Her- need more parent input and yeah. and Harris, more other stuff and the teachers are saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're saying the same thing to me. But neither of them wants to give any parental input in any meaningful way because to give parents input would mean to give them control and then that means losing the control for for the government and, and the unions. And that's what this whole battle is all about. And the kids are caught in the middle, and, and parents don't know what's going on in the school system. And it's a sad state of affairs. But you're right, though, that uh, it's very difficult to tell what people are really intending to do. And uh, looking at the legislation may help you a bit, but I, I, as somebody who looks at a lot of legislation, that might not help you that much either, because the bill itself will not have most of the details. Uh, a caller earlier had mentioned that it doesn't say a word about cutting funding, mm-hmm. and yet the government have said we're going to take half a million to half a million. Jeff, I want to ask you about that, too, because because it's been my experience, and I've read the bill, and I've read other the, the relative, uh, relevant health care legislation and so on. Yeah. This bill isn't all that different in the way it's worded and structured than many mm-hmm. other bills, is it? No, but the zinger in, in most of the legislation coming out recently is uh, what, the, what powers they devolve to uh, regulations. Um, normally what happens is that the, the meat of a, of, a, of a law is contained in a statute that's passed by the legislature, everybody votes on it and so on. And then at the tail end, historically, there's um, enacting legislation that says, and the, uh, and the cabinet can pass uh, legislation, or, or it's not legislation, regulations that will flesh out and enact the legislation. Mm-hmm. But what we've seen is the, the trend over the last 10 years or so is to make the regulations where all the meat is, all the power is. So there'll be like a zinger section at the end that says, and the government can basically enact anything else that they want to. Uh, so that's where it's really hard to tell what's happening, because if you don't have the regs, and often the regs are not yet available, I don't know if they are for Bill 160, but for uh, Bill 142, which is the welfare legislation, Bill 152, the uh, downloading legislation, the regs aren't, aren't ready yet. You can't read those. Katie, if you do lose your year, who are you going to blame? Um, I don't, like, I practically blame myself because what I feel, if, if I don't get the bill, like, if I, if I feel if, teach, if students read the bill and they know whether, like, if, are the teachers uh, striking for them or for us? Right. So what I'm saying is, like, if we read it, then we would either go out with the teachers or go out with the teachers saying, get back into class. Do you want to know where you can read it? Do you want to go read it? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, the places you can go, first of all, are the uh, law school at the University of Western Ontario has a library up on the second floor. You can go in there and they'll have a copy of it. Or if you go to the courthouse uh, at uh, 80 Dundas Street, there's a library there on the sixth floor and they'll have a copy of it. And if you go in there and ask uh, to see it, I'm sure they'd be happy to uh, show it to you. I'd be surprised if it wasn't on a uh, government website too, because usually the yeah, first probably. readings of bills are. Oh, because um, I, I asked my teacher if uh, she could get us a copy. She was going to, 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 to photocopy it for the whole class. Mm-hmm. And she went down and she, she told she was not allowed. Mm. So I just figure we're not allowed at all. Well, so. Katie, there are there are ways to do it. You've heard some of them this morning, and I, I strongly urge you to do that. I hope you will and get your friends involved, too. Oh, yeah. Like, we all want to either go out there with them or not go out there and, like, or go out there and tell them to get their butts in the class or something. Well, I, I commend <laughs> you for not doing either one until you had as much information yeah, as you I know. can find. That, yeah, I that, know. That's why I'm saying I want the bill or, Good you for know. you. Thanks for the call, Katie. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.
Left, right, and center on 1290 CJBK. Guys, should be just off the top, just a teeny weeny bit. With a contentious bill like this, should it be more available than perhaps it is? Now, Bob, you're saying you think it's probably on the Internet, but there's still lots of people who don't have access to that. Um, shouldn't we have it in every school and in every library and so on so people could have a look at it? Well, most, yeah. most bills are there in the libraries and schools and, and various resource centers. I remember uh, just working through Freedom Party, we were on a subscription. Every bill was just sent to us. We could fill boxes uh, with these with the legislation coming but, in. But for the average person, it's, it's often difficult to find. As I say, basically the law library, I don't, you know, I don't think the public library has a bill service. Uh, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I believe that I'd once checked it out and that they didn't. That'd the be a thing funny is, thing for a public library not to have. Well, I don't know. It's expensive to uh, subscribe to it uh, because you're getting paper all the time. The other thing is that I say, unfortunately, uh, people say, what's the law? They want to read the law. The law is contained in a ton of different places. Mm -hmm. so you start yeah. at the statutes, then you go to the regs, then you go to the common law, uh, you know, then you go to government policy. To research all that is pretty hard to do and to tell which is more important, a statute, for instance, or a common law. And then when you go out in the real world and find out that the government's doing things that don't have anything to do with the law at all, we're going right back to the phones this morning. We have Ruth with us. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Fine, thank Greetings you. Greetings to your guests. What Thank a you. pleasure to hear from somebody like Katie. Um, I'm just going to continue on with your discussion of how to find the bill. Mm -hmm. uh, the London Public uh, Library has a service on the Internet, um, and they're, they're, they're I'm sure they'd be able to yeah. access the bill oh, and print it up. And uh, that's available to anyone going in who wants to, I guess, pay a little minimal fee or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that the, with the popularity of this subject, they would print it up and make it available. Mm -hmm. No okay. problem. Terrific. Right. Um, uh, so anyhow, uh, I want to continue the discussion about the Labour um, Act covering the government's yes. injunction mm -hmm. or, or um, potential injunction. My understanding is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, uh, the, um, oh, um, the School Board and Teachers Collective Negotiations Act does not fall under the Labour Relations Act. In other words, um, uh, it's not governed by that act. So uh, this injunction um, possibly is um, not going to be successful on that basis. Do you know anything about that, Jeff, as to whether the legislation covered it? No, I don't, although I, I had recalled somebody saying that the rights were somewhat different than they are under the, uh, under the standard labor legislation, uh, and it may be contained in different legislation. Although I had also heard this lawyer, uh, this labor lawyer last week, saying that, that a um, grievance by the um, school board would, be, would go to the Ontario Labor Relations Board. Isn't it part, though, a part of the changes, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that part of the changes the Harris government wants is to bring the teachers under the, under the uh, labor legislation the same as everyone else. Is that know. not part of it? It's know. not okay. something I've heard. However, it's not too unusual to find that where the government's the employer, it has a separate set of rules mm. than it does for, for anyone else. Well, I don't think it's the government having a separate set of rules uh, um, in, in terms of saying that um, this government has set out to... Um, set this, the teachers apart from being governed by this act. I think this is the way it has been for many, many years. And uh, the state of affairs at the moment is that uh, the, the School Board and Teachers Negotiations Act is, is a much weaker act than the Labour Relations Act, and teachers basically have very few rights in that area because the two acts are separate. So when... Um, well, uh, Ruth, I want to come back if I can, because we've got people waiting and we're running out of time. Should right. they be legislated back or not? Uh, and uh, yes, I, I would uh, think it would be the the honourable thing to do because uh, they they belong there. And um, and if they yeah. choose to defy that legislation, what should happen to them? Well, I imagine that the government would uh, be bringing in 
sanctions uh, under uh, legislating them back. And uh, I would be very sorry to see that happen um, because the, the correct area for all this to be worked out is in uh, the political area. These are the issues that are... And also um, the generic idea of having class sizes negotiated on a province-wide basis. I think that's sensible, um, but I don't want to see any awkward situations. I want to see excellence. Uh, okay. and individual accents returning to the classroom so that um, teachers, uh, students can proceed by ability as opposed to artificial uh, class limits set. And right. Thanks uh, for the I call think today. that would help it out. Appreciate it, Ruth. This is Left, Right and Center on Talk of the Town. Coming right back at you more with Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. This is Left, Right and Center on Talk of the Town. Uh, Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, my guests. And Sue's been waiting patiently. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Do you think they should be legislated back? Um, no, I don't. However, I'm a little bit biased because uh, I am a teacher that's on leave right now, maternity leave. Yes. And my father was also a teacher, so I am a little bit biased. But um, I just wanted to say that as a teacher, uh, we do feel horrible for the students because, unfortunately, temporarily, they're the ones who are losing. Mm -hmm. But people seem to forget, as you pointed out earlier, that we are giving up voluntarily our pay, and uh, a lot of people cannot afford to do that. They would not be doing this if they didn't feel strongly about what they were doing. You know, so I have a question about that, Don. I'm glad you called, because I haven't had a chance to ask a teacher or a former teacher about that. Um, if the teachers had voluntarily given up a small portion of their, of their monthly stipend and funneled that back into the system, they could have thumbed their noses at Mike Harris. Why are they so anxious to give up their pay now on a strike, and they were totally unanxious to give up uh, any money at all when that might have not only forestalled this, but I think made Mike and his guys look like a bunch of boobs. Well, <laughs> uh, I agree. However, sometimes there's a lot of misinformation out there. And as a teacher, because I'm not, uh, I haven't been teaching recently for the past little while, I feel a little bit out of the loop. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the information that the public receives and that we receive um, is not always true. And we get bits and pieces here and there. Yes. And especially the public, they're misinformed. Well, a lot of the information, with all due respect, from both sides has been untrue. I've read some stuff from the teachers' unions that blatantly lies. Absolute lies with a capital L. Well, some of the comments about Bill, and, and Jeff alluded to it earlier, Bill 160 says such and such. It doesn't say any such thing. Uh, I'm not attacking the teachers. The government's been equally guilty. But uh -huh. I'm saying that the search for the truth has been particularly difficult in this whole thing because both sides are lying when it suits them. Well, I'm, I'm sure that there is a bit of that going on, but um, from my point of view, I see the media, what's printed in the, in the newspapers, and this goes back even before the strike was, was about, that, that people think we're overpaid. And there was an article in the London Free Press a few months ago that the, the average teacher's salary is 64000 and that is a blatant lie. Well, That's the maximum salary. And certainly if the Free Press published that, I would hope they publish a retraction because they know better, and we've made the point on this program many times that that's not the case. Well, um, if they had a retraction, it was probably deep, very deep inside the what? paper, but it's just very frustrating because I do feel for the, the, the parents as well because yeah. they're in a bind. And, but people seem to forget that teachers are parents too, and teachers are taxpayers too, and we, we are also paying into the system. Well, well and, too, uh, if, you know, teachers and taxpayers and parents, what, what really is the objection to allowing, for example, parents and taxpayers to direct their, their taxes to the school, their choice, and to allow schools to run themselves? Why would, why would teachers be against that? To, for schools to run themselves? Yeah. Well, 
The school's not going to run itself. Who, are, who should run it? Well, they run themselves now technically anyway. I mean, you have a principal, you have the teachers, the students all go to a certain school. Why can't all that be just done in a community level, either on, on a private or taxpayer-directed choice? Why, why would anybody resist that? Well, that, that in itself is not necessarily bad because you have every different city, even within a city, every school has their unique needs. And, and, and with the Bill 160, what the government is trying to do, they are trying to to make up law that will be uh, universal for Ontario and you cannot challenge it in any court of law. And we are saying that, no, we can't have that. We need to have separate boards so that in London, for instance, we, we need certain things. In Metro Toronto, you need maybe more ESL. You have more immigrant populations. Every board is different. But you're going to get funding. You're going to get funding. You're going to get funding for those differences, though. The government has never suggested that those differences will not be recognized. Well, I think that's what they're saying. Well, they're taking a lot of power I don't, away from I don't, the boards. I don't believe him. <laughs> Do we even need boards at all? I don't think we need boards at all. Why can't the parents deal directly with the school, directly with the curriculum, have a choice of what their kids get taught? Go to the school. Bob, you're too choice. much of an idealist. We live uh, in the real world here. Uh, <laughs> well, the real world is collapsing, and this—you know—it's funny you call what I'm saying an idealist. I'm saying that what my idea is, is realistic, and that the idealists are the people who think we can have a free system and not not expect it to collapse under its own weight. But here's the problem from my perspective, and and I think what you're saying is that if we had a system where individual um, parents, for instance, uh, ran their schools, decided how much their teachers would be paid, what the curriculum was, and stuff, uh, it's extremely hard to get people out under these volunteer boards as it is right now. We no. Very few people vote for school boards as it is when we had, when we each city and municipality well, had voting, a school board. People is not don't necessary. participate. It's so hard to get the vote for these things. Voting is not necessary in a system where parents have taxpayer-directed choice. If I want my child to go to a Montessori school or to a Christian school or to, or to the government-run school, I should have the right to sign a piece of paper at least, at the very least, please, let me direct my taxes to that school where my kids are going. I mean, I, I don't understand that. We don't need a school board. We don't need any of the bureaucracy. It's a piece of paper. You can sign it. It's a matter of accounting. Uh, it's not more complicated than that. But what you're saying then is we'd have a, a private school system where you would buy your school services like well, you buy your car. Nasty word it would be on a marketplace. Yeah, sure. Okay. And that the government could compete in that marketplace if it wanted to. Well, the government competing is sort of a contradiction in terms. Right. I know what you're saying. Um, if, if the government-run schools would play by the same rules as the private schools, then I guess you could say that they're competing, but then it wouldn't be necessary to have government-run schools anymore. It, it defeats its own purpose. They just become another private school in the marketplace. Sue, so I, wa I want to thank you for calling. I appreciate you joining us this morning. Okay, thank Thanks you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Well, guys, I want to come back to this because I think uh, I, I'm not convinced that either one of you are, are on the straight and narrow in this path. <laughs> uh, so the comment was made, I forget by which one, that, you know, about the teachers setting their, the parents setting the salaries and so on and so on. In a truly private system, that's not what would happen. No, it doesn't happen that way. The, the, the teachers would set, they say, this is what I'm worth, this is what I want. If you want my services, you have to pay it. That's they right. would have to convince the parents then that they were worth the money. And then if there's another teacher who's willing to offer the same service for less or for more, depends on how you value that teacher, you'll be willing to pay that or not. And so that comes back to our, our fundamental ideal, ideological issue, and that is whether we're better having services provided by private business or by government. You're saying that in this case, private business would do a better job than what government does. Well, it, would it, same, it would have the same teachers, though. I mean, it's not like we're talking right. about a different approach to... 
to education, are we? And but government it, business operates on the back of private business. Government businesses don't bring in revenue. They don't bring in revenue. They take it from the private sector, which is the only source of all money, is from the private sector. There's no such thing as private money and public money. But bearing, in mind, that, bearing in mind that, that nobody's suggesting anything like this in, in the context of Bill 160, but, no. but to, to follow that argument, the one thing I'd be interested in tracing is the history of schools and how it is that we've arrived at a public system. Uh, why, you know, uh, back in the 1800s, for instance... Governor Laura Simcoe, back in the 1800s, no, but we have this all over North America. Prevent, quote, fanatic American teachers from teaching the values of the American Revolution. No, but we have loyalist Canada. That's we have a why we started the United States as well. And how is it that private enterprise didn't sort of fill that need as as we've gone along? I, I have no idea what the answer to that no is. Because I think if you study the history of which I have, there was no money in it. There was no money for private industry to do it. The government stepped in, was ready to subsidize from day one. Um, and, and your reference to Simcoe is correct. There were other other uh, dynamics at work there too. Sure, was there, it was politically motivated. Uh, you know, it was the idea that we needed to create these uh, these uh, public-spirited citizens who would be uh, able to blend into the system, who would be uh, positive influences on society rather than radical influences. And there was a very real fear of that. They but isn't one of the factors though that there wasn't universal education? That there was education for the wealthy. Certainly in England, there are all kinds of private schools, but there was no education for the poor. The government stepped in to provide that education because nobody else was doing it. Much of that be different today if uh, we had a private system? If you look at the history of that, you'll find that the poor resisted tremendously because mm -hmm. the poor needed their, their kids and, yeah. and, and everyone on the farm to work, and here the state was taking them away. But that's the next logical step. Should there be universal education? Should you be forced to send your kid to school? If you don't like school, should you be able to just keep them home and say, I'll raise them myself? You know, I... I this well, you can do that now, but you can do that you now. Can do, you can do that now. What is the value of this government education of sitting in a, in a square box for so many hours a day? I think I've lear I learned more from the day I left school than, than I ever learned in, fr in front of a classroom. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I have to tell you, high school was pure, pure, pure misery to me and, and was just something that I couldn't stand. I didn't do well in high school, but I did very well in college because there I was doing things that I was committed to. I had to pay to go there. Imagine that, you know. I had to actually have a vested interest. Mm -hmm. and so there's a whole new topic. So, we're going to run out of time shortly. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're talking about a system here that we all want to force the teachers to go back and all this kind of thing, and I just think that the system itself needs to be looked at. We need, a, we need to get away from the state monopoly in education of all the things in society to take over. This is the last one I would have ever thought of, because I, I think knowledge is something that people thirst for, and I think that our schools are turning out kids who are bored with knowledge, bored with life, um, don't know how to be independent, are learned that they are taught in schools that everything is a matter of... Uh, you know, every want you have is, you can have it, the government will provide it for you. I mean, this is what you get. Not in schools. Teachers are going to say that. Even the way the teachers are conducting themselves now, the, the message is implicit in what they're saying. We are entitled. We are entitled to this. We are they're entitled, entitled to have that. their contracts honored. Uh, you know, it's, uh, but their contract is, is honored up to the day that it exists. When, it's no long, when the contract expires, it's over. I guess you know, the fear I have is that the, if, we, if we had a pri completely private system, I think a lot of people would fall behind. We'd get away from fall what, is made, what is made in North America was well, getting away from the... how? What does that mean? Oh, that they wouldn't have uh, teaching resources education? available to them. Poor Why not? people would not get taught because private enterprise would not... I'm not, I'm not advocating that people have... I'm saying the government can still pay for them. I'm even I'm even acknowledging right now. Let's let I don't believe the government. But in some ways, that's the worst of both systems. If you have Why? the government paying for a private system, 
Uh, well, no, because a parent is paying for it, and, and, and personally, I think that the education tax that the government spends on you, you should pay back over your so taxpayer I'm, lifetime. I want, I want to be clear here. If what you're saying, Robert, is that, that we should all continue to pay the education tax the way we pay it now, with, with some modifications. For a while. So all the money... just jump from one yeah, system right, to So the all other. the money would go to the government, and then the government would give every parent an equal amount back, and you could spend it wherever you wanted. If you wanted to augment it, you could. And if you didn't want to spend it all on education, you have that choice too. Is that That's what you're right. saying? That's right. And your future tax taxes on education would be determined by the amount the government is spent on your behalf. So that at some point in your life, your taxes will stop. You'll start making rational education decisions. You'll start going to school and weighing the costs. What about the all the irrational people out there? Well, they're entitled to be irrational at their own expense. When we've changed, well, but it's the not at their expense. At the ex could be potentially at the expense of their children who do not have control over that. Uh, what if you've got a couple of parents who don't give a hoot? Who and we know there's lots of them out there who aren't too concerned about it. And it was easy enough when they just sent them to the public school or the, or the separate well, school. All I, they had to do was kick them out the door in the that morning. That situation's not much worse than what we have today. I mean. We, we have, have, we have education system. We've got one kids. of the best ones. My kids are so much better educated than I was in terms of being able to think about things, being able to, uh, uh, they're disciplined as far as the homework they do, the math they do totally boggles me. You know, I, I don't understand why we say we have such a bad system. We have a much higher technology okay. society. Guys, I have to ask you to hold just sure, for a second. Sir. We'll be right back. We'll pick this up <laughs> while we're leaving off on left, right, and center. This is Left, Right, and Center on 1290 CJBK. As usual, this hour goes very quickly. We are almost out of time. We're going to offer each of our... Uh, commentators this morning in a couple of seconds to uh, to round up uh, who goes first uh, Jeff you want to start off? I'll take a pitch uh, on the topic of uh, legislating back to work I guess what I would suggest is that one should be careful about doing that and that if you substituted teachers and fill in the blank with something else uh, anything you can imagine that generally we've said government should keep its nose out of private um, collective bargaining and if it's a thin edge of the wedge you let them in here they're going to legislate them back you know where does it end is it grocery stores who knows generally uh, from my end of it, you only send them back if there's an extremely good reason. If they're breaking a law, you get an injunction. But as far as passing a law to say you can't go on strike, right now it should only be the barest essential services as they are. And we should be loath to give government more control than they have in that area right, uh, right now. I think it's about time for uh, parents and teachers to go on strike. And, and, and not teachers, sorry, students. And see how the government treats them. Will it legislate the students back to school in the same way it's going to legislate the teachers back? Because I think they're the people who have the service, you know, disrupted for them. Why don't we go on strike for a change and and put leave the government and the unions out of it? I think I'd like to see a a major uh, revolution in, in in education in Ontario. I thank both of my guests, Robert Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, for joining me this morning. It's always a pleasure on Wednesdays. If you have any topics that you'd like to have explored from the left and right of the political uh, spectrum and occasionally a little shot from the center too. We'd appreciate hearing from you. Just drop us a line here at 1290CJBK at 743 Wellington Road South, N6C4R5. That just about does it for today's program. Tomorrow, a very interesting discussion about euthanasia. A couple of big stories in the news these days, and we'll have some special guests with us with particular expertise on this subject. We hope you will join us tomorrow on Thursday for a special edition of Talk of the Town. For uh, Jeff Schlemmer, Robert Metz, Brian Spence, Don Kelly, it's Jim Chapman saying, please take care of each other, mind how you go, and we'll see you tomorrow for the next edition of Talk of the Town.